0: Okay everybody, welcome to episode 55 of the Bolt from the Blue podcast. This is going to be an interesting one. I suspect uh, the usual team is here. Uh, We have King of the Kipax Writer and City Matters
1: Committee member Colin Savage. Hi Colin, how are you doing? Uh, good evening. Yeah, I've calmed down a bit after um, Wednesday night. So uh, glad to hear I'm, it. I'm 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 much more mellow than I was. <laughs> uh, uh, yes, yes. I think uh, a lot of us
0: uh, lost it a little bit. Actually, uh, we also have uh, Man City fan TV presenter and vlogger Ray. Ray, how are you doing,
2: mate? i'm not too bad not too bad mike uh, you got me i just walked in through the door and uh five minutes later on the podcast i've just driven uh, 250 miles from exeter and uh I'm so looking forward to this uh this podcast now
0: devotion to the cause <laughs> devotion to the cause we've got an opening question from one of our listeners and it's for colin savage and here's the question colin (laughs) does pep guardiola suffer excessively from fear and self-doubt in high pressure
1: champions league games well, I, that's a good question, isn't it? Because uh, if anyone, anyone who follows me on Twitter will know, I um, went a bit OTT on Wednesday night, and I called him um, a coward, which was got a bit of a reaction, which I wasn't looking for. But I do think, it, having calmed down, just watch the game again, I do think he wasn't quite brave enough mm-hmm. in that particular game. Again, I did another thread on Twitter once, once I calmed down a bit, and uh, I compared him a bit to that, if you've ever seen that famous Two Ronny sketch, and, and for anyone who is not familiar with, you know, classic British comedy, uh, Ronnie Corbett, Ronnie Barker, the two Ronnies, uh, did a very famous sketch taking off the Mastermind quiz. But Ronnie Corbett was the was the contestant. Ronnie Barker asked the question. And, of course, he asked, now, what's your specialist subject? And Ronnie Corbett said, asking the question before the one you've asked me. So uh, this set the scene for the sketch. So Ronnie Barker would ask, ask the question. And then when he asked the next question, Ronnie Corbett would answer, answer. the question that Ronnie Barker would ask previously. Obviously. Obviously, it's it's funnier than it sounds. If you've seen it, you'll know what I mean. If you haven't seen it, look up Two Ronnie's mastermind sketch. I compared Pep's uh, attitude to that particular sketch in that he seems to be answering the question that had been asked in the game before obviously Pep's not a coward, he's a meticulous thinker, he plans in detail but I don't think that he's he has been pragmatic enough in these big games because it's a as we know, if we find out under Mancini, Pellegrini, they are a different kettle of fish, uh, the the Champions League games obviously the first big game he had with us was the Monaco tie in the last 16 in 2016-17 and that home leg was an incredible game, you know coming back 5-3, we go to Monaco with a two goal lead and and we were so open. You know, we played five, four or five attacking players when we should have been looking to close that game down. Uh, Monaco were a good team that season, of course, and, uh, you know, we, we brought a couple of their players in. But we should have closed that game down. We should have played like we played on Wednesday night, uh, and we'd have probably got through. So so having done that, having learnt his lesson, we then went to Anfield the following year in the Basel, wasn't it, in the last 16? So they weren't, weren't a problem particularly. We then went to Anfield in the first leg of, of the quarter final, uh, and Pet kind of played it like he should have played the Monaco game. So it was almost as though he was answering the question he was asked in the Monaco game, and we played that weird system with four across the midfield, and playing some weird kind of, I don't know, right-half position, old-fashioned right-half position, but, that he didn't get. He didn't seem to understand what he was doing, and I certainly didn't understand what he was supposed to be doing. Liverpool tore into us, and even allowing for the fact that VAR would have made that a very diff- probably made that a very different game, or, or certainly a very different scoreline. I-, I still think we were second best on-, on the night because we had this weird tactical system, which wasn't wasn't for me answering in the questions that Liverpool were posing. It was answering the questions that Monaco had been posing. Obviously, when we went to White Hart Lane the other night, I, I felt he was trying to answer the questions that Liverpool had posed, rather than looking at Spurs as the team we've beaten in our last four encounters with them, including three one last season at Wembley I don't think we can really count this season because of that pitch and 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 um, the, the kind of fixture pilot but f- for me what formed my opinion was having been completely uncautious in Monaco he seemed to be far too cautious and giving Spurs too much respect and we yeah. played that game like actually like we played the Liverpool League game. And I think both teams were, to a large degree, set up to counter the other. But for us, in the in the knockout games, I think we have played nine now, and he's only won four of them. And one of those was Basel, you know. And if you're not beating Basel, away, certainly away, then you've got problems. My
2: my thoughts on the night and afterwards was that he chickened out of the game. So I think that was. There's a comment that's not gone too far, uh, but I think he, he, he chickened out of the game. And as Colin has said, he overthought, he overanalyzed. And sometimes that happens with genius. You know, most of the time he gets it right and he's hailed as a genius. Occasionally, even a genius can get something wrong. And so he, I thought he, he put too much into it. Ray, you said occasion, but, you yeah.
0: said occasionally, but this is becoming a bit of a habit in, in, in Europe,
2: in Europe. But, but the thing is, on the night, as soon as that team was announced, I was shocked, uh, and I'm sure you'll talk about the team in a little while. But I thought the setup was not to lose, not to let them score, to get away from London uh, with a nil-nil, or to to nick a a goal, uh, and not to lose that game. And if you're it if was... you're if
0: you're trying to do that, what on earth are you doing? Putting Delph in there instead of sticking Laporte on 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 well, the left. Yeah, I mean, no, De- I... Delph continually but... loses us games.
2: It's a combination of things. I mean, I also think Pet was thinking towards uh, Crystal Palace. Uh, he's thinking about the league games as well. Because um, we talking to fans afterwards as well, and talking to them beforehand. We said it's very difficult. We've thought to beat a team three times in the space of ten days. If you're going to lose one game or take a risk in one game, it had to be the first game. We can't afford to lose or drop any points against Spurs in the league, and we would normally expect to beat them at home in the in the Champions League as well. So, as I said, if we are going to drop any points or put in a, a poor performance, rest players, which I'm sure he did, then that was the game to do it. You know, it's all if, ifs, buts, and maybe's, but. But one Sergio Aguero poor penalty aside, we could have got a one nil win or a one all draw out of that game. Yeah, but no. there's, there's
0: something else, Ray. If you want to create the perfect recipe for City underperforming, you'll put not only will you put Delph yeah. at left back, you're gonna play a midfield three of Gundogan, Fernandinho, and David Silver. Are all really, really well? You know, compared to the the Tottenham guys, are really quite old and immobile and That, that's what you, you, that is basically, another thing, Aguero, Aguero always hits penalties to the left, and he, he doesn't vary his penalties, he's missed four
2: in Europe, that's the
0: highest number. I mean, it was a uh, penalty. It really it was,
2: was. It was a lot of things that went wrong, mate. A lot of things. I mean, when he took the penalty, I was thinking just before he took it, I said, "Please don't do a penenka." And after he missed, I thought, "Why didn't you do a penenka?" Oh, his, his body was his. I mean, we were at the far end, and his body was just looking like he was going to put it in there. And I was just hoping you, if you're going to hit it at, at that height. You've got to hit it hard enough But you've got to hit it Into the side netting You can't do a penalty Like that It was too well, easy it, it, it was the worst penalty You could do Apart from rolling it Into the goalkeeper's
1: arms Yeah He hit, he hit it Halfway between The keeper and the post. Yeah At a height That Reese was going to be at If he was diving that way Yes And he was you, going to get it. it It was just about The worst penalty Yeah He didn't try done.
2: to He didn't try to do him With his eyes You know And there's been a few penalties That Sergio has scored Which have only just Evaded the keeper But the keeper Goes the right way with that penalty, as you said, Colin. It was pretty easy, save you know. I'm sure our under 16 keeper would have saved that if he dived the right way. So, there, there were a lot of things that I'm sure we weren't happy about the setup of the, of the team, in my in my opinion. and I think, in the opinion of many people, uh, David Silva is 33 years old, I think, Fernandinho's 34, and Gundogan runs around like he is in his mid 30s as well. So, we had no pace really, no legs in midfield with the youngsters that Spurs have got. As I said, you're asking for trouble. We needed, a, I think, if you want to do the lineup, Mike, we we needed at least one. Pacey attacking player in the midfield or out uh, or out wide in place of Mares. That's my opinion. I,
1: and if I was asking a question, obviously this started with me being asked a question from one of the listeners. If I was asking a question, now obviously we played Brighton um, FA Cup semi-final Saturday tea time. We played Spurs on the Tuesday, not the Wednesday. So we only had two full days um, rest, although we didn't come back from London, of course. So so my question would be, did Pep see the Brighton game as more important than this one, this Spurs game? Because it looked to me as though he did. An, an alternative theory is, is is possibly that he
0: saw the Crystal Palace game as more important than this one, and he was resting everybody well, 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 I, everybody I, I up think, who could have
1: affected think, the game. I think we I think we'd agree that the Crystal Palace one is probably more important than more important. Yeah. They're all important, but you know, it, if someone said to you you could only win one of those games, you, you, it'd have to be the Crystal Palace game. To me, I'd have played the TV played against Spurs against Brighton and, and right. save the best players for the, yes. because it's a different level of opponent for one thing, it's a more, perhaps you say it's a more important competition maybe Pep was so desperate to win the FA Cup a competition he's never won that, that he prioritised the Brighton game and to a certain extent, I think we said, I was just listening to the last podcast, the result uh, results are important at this end of the season, but the result in the Spurs game perhaps was the least important yes. result, because as we said on the podcast, we could afford to draw we could afford to even come away a two One defeat, I think, would have been fine for me. Well, not fine, but I I could have lived with that because we got an all-important away goal. So so in one sense, the result wasn't important in that game. It's not so much the result, but but the manner of it, I think, which has upset people. Uh, Ray, should that even have been a penalty, by the way? Well...
2: In in the old days, we'd we'd always say no with VAR. I'm not even sure any of our players could even claim for anything much. But with, um, apparently, I mean, Colin will correct me if I'm wrong, the rules in Europe are, you know, if you make your body shape bigger by use of your arms, even though he wasn't looking at it, and it hits you. It's going to be a penalty. Happened to Otamendi against was it Schalker? It's happened here. So you know, my idea now is just to keep taking shots. Let the players dive. Hope it hits them on the arm. The VAR is just going to give us more and more penalties. So let's take them. Uh, but yeah, it probably wasn't a penalty uh, in, in the old days. And um, you could argue. Some people said justice was served uh, with Sergio missing. Yeah, well, well, I, I will <laughs> be honest. I don't care about justice. You know, I, I, want, I want to win the games. Maybe maybe that's wrong of me. Um, to Go over the the line in a sporting fashion, but I, you know I'll be open and honest. I want to win. I wanted to win the game.
1: I, I've always been a great believer in that theory that a penalty um, is natural justice for the decision that gave the penalty. And it was interesting to watch the TV and the pundits, the football playing pundits, were completely at odds with the referee, with Peter yeah. Walton. Peter Walton, of course, wasn't a footballer himself, he, and he was following the letter of the law, yeah. and which he understands. The footballers understood that. If you throw, you know, if you throw yourself to block a shot, and you're not throwing your arms right out in front of you to make yourself as big as possible, and I don't think Rose was doing that. No, he fell over. Then, then it shouldn't be a penalty. We took it, we missed
0: it. But um, here's a question, guys: Harry Kane—he's out for the second leg, definitely—that's for sure. A little bit frustrating for us is the fact that Spurs play better without Kane. They have a higher win ratio, and Song Hyun-min seems to be liberated when when Kane doesn't play.
2: He's your man, yeah. Poor Harry came. Um, you know, my heart's uh, my heart's bleeding for him. Yeah, I'll bet. Um, it, I'll
0: bet it is, Ray.
2: No, honest. Well, let's give both sides of my heart. Then I feel sorry for a, when a player gets injured, especially for a medium to long term. Um, you want to see the best players playing? No question about that. Uh, even if you know it's going to make your opponents a lot stronger, I want to see the best players playing. Having said that. I'm not going to go through a lot. I'm just thinking of a long list that's just popped into my head about Harry Kane and you know uh, how how he claims goals that hit his hair on, on, and puts it on, on his daughter's life that he scored that goal just selfishly. I think of him not passing to Sterling uh, was it against Croatia when we could have got to the World yep, Cup so. final. I think of him getting an M was it an MBE when I think there were other candidates uh, much higher uh, up the uh, pecking order than him. Really, I think of uh, the the dives he's. Done uh, the fouls he's committed and got away with, uh, thanks to the FA saying we don't want to look again. Uh, this is not something of just against Harry it's just all there's so many things he's done that he's got away with in, in that game. It's
1: the new Wayne Rooney, isn't
2: it? Yeah. Otamendi cl- cleanly won a header, nowhere near Harry Kane. Harry Kane collapses, holding his face, and gets a free kick. I'm not sure if Otamendi got booked for that as well. I and mean, it's absolutely ridiculous. And then Harry Kane goes in late on Delft. There's no question about that. Delft got rid of the ball, and after Delft got rid of the ball, he stands on Harry Kane's ankle. Some people said it's karma. Some people said it serves him right. You know, he went in late, and he got hurt. Sadly for him, he's going to miss... Um, possibly the rest of the season, and uh, the finals of the nation, Nations League. So come on, Jamie Vardy, come out of retirement. We need you. But at the end of the day, Karma's taken a, taken a long time to hit back at Harry Kane. Um, and as I said, I am not. I don't take any pleasure in him being injured for a while, and for him not being able to play against, I don't take pleasure in that. You know, you've got to be quite an unpleasant person to take pleasure in the injuries uh, to somebody else. But it is... You, whether you want to say karma or, or whatever and it's also interesting to see the way the Spurs fans I saw one tweet where someone said you know unpopular opinion Delph did nothing wrong um, you know it was an accident and whatever and basically you had a lot of Spurs fans who were blaming Delft for injuring Harry Kane when it was Harry Kane who'd gone out to injure Delph. and these same Spurs fans said absolutely nothing was it last last year or the year before when the Spurs players were just hell bent on breaking out um, was it Leroy Sane's Leg and um, Kevin de Bruyne's leg, and you know, terrible. Disgusting game that they played, uh, you know, uh, against City, and trying to injure our players, and ha- they had no thought for the ball, and they're getting away with yellow cards when they should have been double reds uh, if you could give a double red. So I have not, you know, these these hypocritical Spurs fans coming out and and, and uh, absolving Delft from any blame after a lot of them had lambasted him. It's ridiculous and petty and um, very very low of them.
1: There we have raised raised for podcast number becomes- yes. fifty.
0: <laughs> indeed, indeed. Yeah, but yeah. but uh, on the subject of Fabian Delph, uh Colin, that uh, experiment by Pep really did not work. If you have Delph up against Son Heung-min, there's only going to be one uh, winner. And uh, really, he should have put Laporte there and played maybe company or one of the other uh, centre-backs. Do, do, do you not agree?
1: Uh, yeah, it's hard to disagree, to be honest. The one thing I, I would say for the team selection was, I, I actually... Was expecting Mares to start, not not because I wanted him to start, but because I think Pep had the view that he gives us more defensively and he holds up holds up the ball better. He can be quite useful in attack, and I don't think he had the world's. I don't think he was the worst player on the pitch by any stretch of the imagination. But I, I was surprised to see Delph in there. To be honest, we we know Mendy's having a bit of a problem with his knee after he plays, uh, which is a bit worrying because it's a bit reminds me a bit of I mean, people Ledley, Ledley Kingham and maybe Colin Bell had his comeback. But- having problems after every game Paul McGrath. And, uh, yeah but uh, as i say i would have saved him for spurs perhaps i would have saved him for spurs rather than brighton if we could only play the one game but i understand i think i understand having thought about it and i watched it again tonight without obviously you know the result you know what's happened it's a lot easier to concentrate on the on the kind of technical aspects of the game and i was watching our lineup and we sort of had on the on our right we had Walker, Ottomendi Laporte as a three. But most of the time we had Gundogan, Fernandinho, and Delph as a three uh, in midfield on the left. So we had like two. We seem to have two offset lines of three rather than a, a, a four and a two or whatever. So someone described it as a four-two-three-one, but really I'd say it was a, a three-three-three-one more precisely. Now, now Laporte would not have been able to do that job. Zinchenko would. So, so I think I understand why he put Delph in. But. No, having seen what Delph has done, it it was clearly a a huge risk, and and that risk Came, obviously came to light for the goal because Delft, whether he'd been told to stay close to Ottomendi or Laporte, whichever one was on that side, I'm not sure. But he was quite close to the other two defenders when, when Eriksen played that ball across to Son. He came across and he was a bit lucky the first time because Son miscontrolled the ball. It looked as though it was going to roll out and perhaps Edison could have been a bit quicker to, to kind of jump out. I think he thought it was going out. Son kept the ball in, and he clearly kept the ball in, uh, and he wasn't offside either. But Delft was stood there with his hand up, appealing for a goal kick, so he was a second too late to react. Gundogan was the same, he was standing there with his arm in the air watching uh, Son come in, so he was a second too late to close him down, and, and you've got to put some blame onto Edison, because yeah. that ball went under his body, you yeah, should, should have saved that, so I would hesitate to blame Delft alone for that goal, because even when Son got that ball, we had three chances to stop him. Yeah.
2: We made three mistakes.
1: Just before that, we've been exerting a lot of pressure yes. on Spurs. We had that game under control. Larice cleared the ball, and the port did a jolie and Lescott. Scott. If you, I don't know if anyone really noticed this, and headed it backwards rather than forwards. And that's when that move started that led to that goal. So actually, it was a fourth mistake. Yeah, well, although the mistake was, you know, about five seconds yeah. earlier on. But that was a catalogue of errors. By four different players that led to that goal, so I'm, I'm not going to blame Delph. Put the blame all at Delft door, but yeah, he he was part. He yeah. was part of the problem.
2: I'll i agree. I wouldn't give place all the blame at Delft door. We made three mistakes, and normally, if we'd if we'd made two mistakes, that wouldn't have been a goal. But to make three big errors, I place a lot of the blame at Delft purely because he was claiming for a, a ball that he thought w- would go out, or whether he thought by raising his arm, the the linesman, the referees assistant would concur with him you know and then he made i I described this one of our videos that Sometimes when you're at the traffic lights and you're at the front of the queue or wherever you are in the queue and the traffic lights turn green and you're not paying full attention and you don't move, the guy behind you hits his horn, you realise the lights are green and you speed away a bit dangerously, a bit fast to make up for the embarrassments of your error. So you overcompensate. And I think Delph did that. He jumped in uh, to overcompensate for the error of him hoping the ball had gone out. And then he made another mistake and you know going down on, was it he go down on a knee or he, he let. Son cut in, and from where Son had picked up the ball, there was no way he should have scored, and Edison did a Joe Hart, uh, although Joe was weak to his left-hand side, it was one of those where you thought, you could have just put your foot out and stopped that, mate. Culpable, uh, to some extent, I think Delph was the most sad to say, and someone said there was a start, that was every game we've lost this season, Delph's played. Now, that that might, or, or five of the six, that might just be a coincidence, but I will say, and I said this last season, and I said it early this season about both Zinchenko and Delph. They're playing out of position. They're going to make mistakes. And if you watch pretty much every game, they make a glaring error, usually over the, uh, the behind them to the balls, usually crossfield ball, and um, they're not fully aware of what's going on out wide. And I actually spoke to a Spurs fan before the game. He said he felt the one um, weakness we had, or how the Spurs could get at us, was our fullbacks. He thought they were both Walker and whoever played at left-back were uh, were weaknesses. And I think I have to agree, especially on the left-hand side. Zinchenko makes mistakes as well. People have been raving about him. I mean, you might say this is an unpopular opinion, but people are raving about Zinchenko. But if you watch every single game, almost, he makes a glaring error. The difference between Delph and Zinchenko, in my opinion, Zinchenko offers is so much more going forwards. When he's doing a triangle with Uh, Either um, David Silva Leroy Sane And and Zinchenko Wonderful triangles Uh, He can overlap Come inside Put the the crosses in uh, Even shoot Um occasionally and get them on target Uh, and Delft doesn't offer you that Um, so Zinchenko can make up for his errors and there's that game uh, a few months back where he made a big boo-boo and uh, opposition scored a goal and then Pep after the game said he was the best player on the pitch he had so much respect because he didn't shrink he raised his head again and I think he helped to create a, a goal for us so Delf doesn't offer any of that you you know and people could go back and and, and watch some of the, the games where they've played and they've made mistakes and as i said they're not full backs they don't know how to do that that position properly they're going to keep making mistakes you can't put, give them too much blame uh, for when they do make mistakes because that's not their position but I, i'll repeat i think Delf was the main culprit if you want to apportion blame uh, in in uh, the scoring of that goal just
1: to correct Ray's what Ray said i've just checked the, f- the figures for Delf he started th- 13 games this season, okay. and we've lost five of them. But but three of them came in the Premier League in December. Mm-hmm. So okay. we lost the Chelsea game he started, we lost the Palace game at home he started, and we lost at Leicester when he started. Uh, and the other two games obviously were Spurs on Tuesday and
2: the Lyon game. I think someone has said, uh, because we've only lost six games this season, so out of the six games we've lost, he's figured in five of them.
0: Uh, Colin, just uh, give your opinions on the performance of uh, Tottenham Hotspur in this game, they've been sort of, um, in my opinion, kind of overly lauded. Uh, The BBC says that they were better all over the pitch uh, than City for the whole time. I didn't see that. But anyway, what was your opinion about uh, the performance of of Tottenham Hotspur
1: and what was uh, Pochettino's plan, do you feel? Both teams were set up to cancel the each other cancel each other out. Uh, and you remember when we played Real Madrid at home in the sem- semi final under Pellegrini? Obviously that was nil nil. And our main relief at that result was they hadn't scored an away goal, which meant they had to come out at the Bernabeu, which they. I still think we were a bit unlucky in that game. Well, not unlucky. We did. We uh, w- we were a bit too restrained in that away leg and I think Spurs were a bit the same and I think of all the teams in the Premier League Spurs are the closest to us in the way they play. It's a high-pressing high-energy style, quick breaks quick transition and I think I give Spurs quite a bit of credit because they perhaps could have been a couple of goals up in the early stages of that game because we looked a bit disorganised at the back but I think if you talk about the four distinct tactical situations, so uh, attacking transition, defence and defensive transition, I think apart from the attack, they handled all those three phases very, very well. I think their offensive transition was quite good. Their transition to a defensive unit, though so I think we helped them in that, because yeah. we played a very slow tempo, compared to what we normally play. And, and I'd say I was watching the game dispassionately, and there were three, four occasions at least, where we had a break on. Now, if we'd been playing, I don't know, Fulham or Cardiff or whoever, that break would have been lightning fast. We would have got players forward the pass would have been accurate. Against Spurs it all looked very don't get too far ahead of yourself. Uh, it all looked a bit laboured, a bit slow. Um players we were kind of almost waiting one two seconds too long before uh, doing things. Um, there was a, an occasion late on so after Kevin De Bruyne had come on. There was a great break on, uh, and Gabriel Jesus amazingly had managed to get himself well offside, which completely destroyed the break. But there were two or three occasions where uh, there was one where Sterling got the ball. All uh, right, he wasn't one on one, or we weren't three on one, but he ran into the defenders and then fell over his own feet and the ball. And yeah, it's just not the way we weren't. We weren't doing our attacking transitions In the way that we normally do them And I think that helped Spurs Probably made Spurs look a bit better than they were Because if we played the way we normally play We'd have caused them a lot more problems Which takes us back to that Was Pep brave enough And what sort of instructions had the player Was he more worried about leaving spaces Than actually creating opportunities Because you know there weren't that many opportunities That we had Obviously beside the penalty I think Sterling had a shot Aguero had a couple Which were well off target. Otamendi had a header which I think he was offside for. Spurs defended, for, I mean, th- those two defenders, I don't rate Rose and, um who was the other guy on the other side, the fullback. Yeah. Uh, I, I, I vert- don't rate them def- Vertonghen and Alder were the pair in the centre. Yeah, I mean, they're a great central defensive pair. I think there's no doubt about that. Uh, and then Rose and whoever was on the other side, I can't remember. I, I don't rate them defensively, particularly. Not that they're bad fullbacks, but...
2: Yeah, we should have been skinning them.
1: We should have been skinning them, yeah, absolutely. And Sterling started off quite well, but then he, he seemed very hesitant and Sane should have been on. There's no getting yeah. away from that. Sane should have been on for the last 15, 20 minutes. Yeah. And they were tiring, because uh, Sane would have made mincemeat of... Um, uh, the, you know, the, the full back. We just didn't have enough time to do it. So, I, th- I think you've got to give Spurs some credit because I think, again, they're a very similar team to us when they play well. They, they press hard, they press high, they use the ball well, they move it quickly, but I think we made life a little bit too easy for them. Yeah, yeah. I, I, and Ray, I think you mentioned
0: on your channel that that particular midfield three of Gundogan, Fernandinho and David Silva, it does not have a good record. Um, it's too, you know, it's lacking in mobility and that game if if you're going to rest Kevin De Bruyne and that's kind of understandable we can understand that it was crying out for for Phil Foden really and he's still
2: just not trusted enough yeah, exactly. We we needed somebody. I suggest either in probably in one of those three midfield positions. I will go back to what I I, I said uh, in, in the videos at the time that we, on our channel it was just too defensive a setup with Fabian Delph with gondoan as a an extra de- in effect a defensive midfielder and Mahrez. You know, I think if Bernardo Silva obviously if Bernardo Silva wasn't injured, I think that would have made a huge difference. It would have increased the threat. Out wide. But as Colin said, I'd have had Sani on because we needed more, more pace and more of a threat up front to, to put Spurs, put some doubt in their minds. And they, I thought they had an easy game. I think they had an easy game against us. They, especially in the first half, were very content to let Otamendi pass the ball to Laporte, to pass the ball to Walker. And we we're just passing it around. They just dropped off. They were, half alert, waiting to see if we made a mistake at the back, which we generally didn't with our passing at the back. But then you've got the midfield was quite congested. Uh, Gundogan didn't have the space and time he needs to Play wonderfully well. I mean, we've said it on our channel. When he's got space and time, he's fantastic. When he hasn't, I think he struggles. Um, and David was running around for everybody, so we didn't have enough attacking threat. Spurs had it easy, and we couldn't play easily through the lines. It was a stodgy game. As I said, it was set up for a nil-nil or to nick it one-nil or to lose it one-nil. It wasn't set up in the in the normal way, which I think that disappointed and frustrated fans who have seen us tear Spurs apart in. in years gone by and play really, really well. Like it to be uh, Bernardo or Leroy uh, or Kevin. Uh, I think one of them, either Kevin or Leroy, had to play, in my opinion. You can't leave them both on the bench. And and Leroy is a young kid. So, in my opinion, again, there's no harm in playing on against Spurs on a Tuesday night and then Crystal Palace on a Sunday and Spurs again on a, on a Wednesday and a Saturday. He's a young lad who's not played that much this season. So, I, I don't see any reason why he couldn't have Played um, and it's an indictment on him that he can't get in the team ahead of Mares. Absolutely. Uh Colin, it's
0: very very difficult for us to try to pinpoint who was City's best player, but I'm going to ask you anyway. Um obviously I think most people agree that Son Heung-min probably or even Harry Winks would have been the the man of the match. Uh but uh, was there any City player who would des- would deserve the the moniker of of the of the of the, of the best performer for Man City?
1: Well, um, struggling I think Laporte was probably the best the best, but that's not setting the bar very high. Yeah, I don't think anyone really yeah. had a uh, Gundogan was okay, but he was not playing in a role which suited yeah. him particularly yeah. well. Otamendi, maybe hey, Otamendi, Otamendi, and Laporte were, were okay. I thought Otamendi was a bit went a bit Otamendi at times, but um, um, I think those two central defenders I don't think we can have much complaint about. Yeah. You know, you look at Gundogan. He's he's been in a Champions League final, which is I think more than any of our players, our other players have been, and, and to have him as like played as like an auxiliary defensive midfielder yeah. to, to me, when I'd rather have David Silva doing that job because David Silva was about as much use as a chocolate teapot playing behind Aguero, yeah. uh, which, which I'm sorry I'm sorry to say that, but he has not produced the goods for us now for about three months. And, and and there was one moment I think in the in the first half. And the thing about Dembélé, what what was his trademark? This ability to spin away from players when he looks as though he's got no space at all. Yeah, you know, when he does that, takes the ball, does that little half turn, and he's away. When have we seen him do that? And Of course, the other the other thing is the threaded pass. Yeah, you know, to to, to thread a pass to the feet of a player, perfect weight, perfect range. Um, and, and get it in the right place and, and there was one thing um, on Tuesday night that I we had a break on there were two players he could have played it to either and he played it in the middle you know it wasn't even close to one or two two players and, and that to me kind of summed up David Silva I Sylvester. don't think there's
0: there's any there's any doubt in anyone's mind that David Silva is out of form he needs a good rest and I, I'm just I'm just wondering why why and when we, we can't put Phil
2: Foden in there because he's all fizz and energy and uh I think, it's yeah. ty- I think it's time for him Well it's, it's one of those things uh, Mike David Silva and others Have got a lot of credit in the bank I think David's tired um, He played a lot more games this season In the first half of the season Than I think he would have normally played because of KDB's injury and then Fernandinho's injury um, So I think he, some of it's Down to he needs a rest I don't think we. the rest of the team have been electric In the last four or five games And sometimes when that happens People want to pick on one player and, and, and and say, well, you're not producing the goods, because the standards he's set in the last few seasons, especially, and pretty much for his whole career at City, the standards have been off the scale. And now that he's, people are feeling in the last two or three months he's not reaching those heights, they feel the need to criticise him. It's one thing, to, I think, to criticise our players and our manager and give your opinion. I think some of the... I'm struggling to call them fans, but the ones who actually... Abuse the the players and the managers on Twitter and copied them in. You know the chap who called Pepper fraud and a ball fraud, and the chap who, couple of people who copied them in and insult them and abuse them. I think that's highly out of order. That's um, well out of order. That. Yeah, it's it's a team thing. And as for man of the, I'm man of the match. I'm going to give it to Fernandinho because he left one in on Harry Kane. Good enough for me. He left one in, and uh, I like that.
1: That one that everyone picked up on, where uh, they, they clashed, and Fernandinho yeah. looked to bring his elbow. But that was a foul by Kane on Fernandinho because yeah. Fernandinho went up to play the ball, and Kane launched into him. The free kick went the other way. To go back to David Silva, the, 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 um, I, th- I think Ray's right. You know, Raheem Sterling's not in form David Silva, you know Gundogan, after having a few sparkling games Looks very ordinary The full-backs, you know Agüero's not really hitting the heights we know he can hit. You know, you can't can't pick on David Silva, but he had the captain's armband on Tuesday night. You know. I know what and you're going to say. I know what you want for a captain. What, what we love about Vinny company is he's a leader on the field. You know, he, he's verbal, cheering the players up, he's calming them down. And David Silver is such a quiet guy. He's a quiet. We know. I'm not saying that's criticism of him. He's a very quiet, private guy, uh, and he's not the not the perhaps the big personality that you need on the field. I would always have someone like Fernandinho, maybe Otamendi, maybe even Kyle Walker as the, as the captain. They're very big personalities. They're very, they're very you know, not extrovert in the extrovert sense, but they'll make their feelings known. Kevin De Bruyne, another yeah. one obviously wasn't on the pitch, but and he had the armband, of course. When the basics of the football. What about the yeah. basics of football? Yeah. Fabian well, Delph. Well, no, well, yeah. The, <laughs> there was one thing I did notice, and I will criticise David Silver for this. When Esper scored, of course, it was, um, they did the VAR review, there's a shot from kind of down Edison's end of the pitch of our team walking back to the centre circle. And David Silver is shrugging his shoulders. You know, we've seen David Silver shrug his shoulders before. Now, Vinny, Vinny Compnik would have been in amongst, in amongst yeah. the team. He would have been making his presence felt. He would have been cheering them up. He, you know, would have been come on, guys, let's get the goal back. And David Silver is wandering on his own, not talking to anyone, shrugging his shoulders. And that is not a captain. And well, you know, leave aside all the stuff about his form. However well he's playing, he is not a captain. I'll,
2: I'll, I'll go along with that. I mean, when I, I did my lineup uh, before the game, I wanted, besides having wanting Laporte on the left, I wanted company to play. I wanted him to play uh, to to. to to give us that, not just the solidity, that leadership and that drive, yeah. and I and I and I missed him, and yeah. that's that concerns me because when you look at that team. You know, I think Vinny's going to get another 12 months and that could well be it. Unless his fitness uh, remains high and he plays bloody brilliantly next season, I think that's probably going to be his last season at City as a player. And who is waiting in the wings to replace him as a leader on that pitch? A a real leader. I mean, Vinny's a true heroic leader. He can speak well. Uh, He shows his leadership with his actions on the pitch, uh, that drive and determination. Uh, to keep coming back after all his setbacks, who's going to take over that mantle when he's gone? I
1: well, can't. Well, I think Ke- Kevin, de Kevin de Bruyne is. He's very vocal. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Kevin is doesn't accept Kevin like Vinny doesn't accept second best. Yeah, think Kevin de Bruyne is the natural captain. Well, for when Vinny goes. Well, guys,
0: let's 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 talk about. Uh, what's going to happen in the second leg? Now, what do you expect to happen? What changes uh, will be made, and uh, will will we
1: see a very di- a different Pep and a very different uh, approach, Colin? Well, it's, it's an interesting one this. Uh, talking about this to a few people, and all right, uh, I would have preferred a different result. It's better than obviously better than 2 nil, but it's not as good as nil nil or 2-1. But the, the one kind of bright spot is that we know what we've got to do now in that second leg, and I hope Pep responds to that, doesn't try anything too clever. His attitude should be, well, let's play the way we've always played. Let's go for it in the first 15 minutes. And if we get a goal in that first 15 minutes, then I think the game is possibly, is you know, we're in control. Spurs, on the other hand, so we've got to go for it. We've got to go for it. We've got to score two goals, at least, assuming Spurs don't get an away goal. For Spurs, the decision that they've got to make a decision, so do they hang on to that, try and hang on to that one goal lead? Do they set themselves up very defensively, or do they perhaps try and nick an away goal, which leaves us having to score three? So it's Pochettino who's really got the decision to make, and I suspect what they'll probably do is they'll try and hang on to that lead as much as possible. So, Certainly, they'll certainly try and run out the first twenty minutes, half an hour. So, if we can get that early goal, we could really be on the front foot yeah. when, when they're on the back foot. So, I, I think Pep's got to go. For, well, he's got to go for it on Wednesday yes, night, so and on. it should be. Uh, and yeah, if we do what we did against Liverpool, where we scored within three minutes, uh, then then it's really game on. Uh, and it's Spurs who who have got to be answering the question, not not us. So, I, I'm still hope I'm still more than hopeful we can yeah. do it on Tuesday on Wednesday night, and, and I think that it's a simple choice for us not quite so simple for Spurs yeah. so, so I mean, in some ways that, that may be not a bad reason may have not been the worst result
2: Well for me I mean I look at it and say it's not the same as last season when we had to make up three goals and really go for it and look at the way in that first half we uh, last season we absolutely smashed Liverpool in that first half and if it wasn't for that was it that non-offside or the offside that error we could have gone in 2-0 up and on such a high in the second half we couldn't you know Maintain it and discard the goal, and then the game was over. For, for the return leg, I'm, I'll, I'll give you my team now: Edison, Walker, Company, Laporte, Zinchenko, Fernandinho, Bernardo Silva, Kevin De Bruyne, Sterling, Aguero, Sane. Oh,
1: yeah!
2: Oh yeah! I will go go for broke. Go, put you know, don't overthink it, overcomplicate it. That's probably our best team. The only. Thing you could change is, is say, okay, I'll have, um, I won't have Sani, I'll have David Silver in and Bernardo and Sterling on the wings. That's surely where you could change it. But that's pretty much for me the strongest team with Vinny there leading it, leading it, trying to push us through. We've got to go for it. We we can't go, but we can't go going hold. That's the, the bad thing about losing 1-0, you just can't go and say, yes, we're going to go Gung Ho, because you don't want to be caught on the break. That's what Spurs are looking for, to hit us on the break. And you, and you don't really want them to score first. We should win. Look, you know, we should win. Uh, we're better than Spurs. What I don't want is to win 2-1. But we should win. <laughs> game, you know, And look, if we win in 2-0, I'll always worry until we get to 3-0. And even then you still you still be concerned. But what the what the fans have gotta do, they've got to create that atmosphere and the noise that we had against Liverpool. I mean that's Probably one of the noisiest uh, games I've been to in many years where the in the City fans have been at it almost for 90 plus minutes. The only time it went quiet a little bit and you heard uh, you know a, a few thousand um, squeaky voices piping up was when they scored. But apart from that, it was City fans all the way through. The noise, the atmosphere, it was incredible. And we've got to recreate that. Next week, you know, so the, the the players know we're uh, all behind them in in such with such force that hopefully they'll lift their level as well and uh, drag us through this tie because you know the the worry for me is. That will have a, a semi-final. The worry for me is we'll have a semi-final of Ajax versus Spurs. Uh, you know, I really wouldn't want that, and Spurs to to get through to the final. oh, that would be terrible. So we just got to give it everything. Uh, no negativity. You know, don't worry about if we don't score in the first half. Crowd have got to be patient, and they've got to back City, and they've got to trust Pep. Guys, uh, we mentioned that uh, that Pep will put out
0: his strongest team against. Uh, Tottenham, of course he will. But is there not an argument that he should do something very similar against Crystal Palace, Colin? Uh,
1: yes, yeah, we said earlier. Um, the first game we could afford to we could afford to not win. The Crystal Palace game we can't afford not to win. I, in the hierarchy, I, I think Crystal Palace is of of the last week. Crystal Palace is the most important game. Uh, I thought Tuesday night should have been the second most important, and, and uh, the FA Cup semi-final should have been the third most important. Pep clearly. I don't don't think agreed with that. That, but yeah, we. How many games have we got now? We've got six league games, at least one Champions League game. Uh, the FA Cup finals at the end of the season. We don't need to worry about that. Week before that, so these seven games now. Obviously, if we beat Spurs, there'll be another two. But we know we've got seven games, and we've got to win them all.
2: Yeah, absolutely,
1: we've got to win them all. And we said this before, haven't we? But it's we can see the light at the end of the tunnel. Yes, the players may be a bit tired, and perhaps in the you know. I think we said a couple of podcasts ago, when when you're in the Christmas fixture (coughs) pileup... The end of the season looks a long way away yeah. and now seven games. We've got to win these next seven games and possibly another two and yeah. then we've got a break. <laughs> guys, guys, just to change the subject a little
0: bit, there's another big game uh, at the weekend, of course, and it's uh, Chelsea and Liverpool. Uh, I would just wonder how you see that going. It looks like that uh, Chelsea gave a good rest to some of their key players, Eden Hazard and yeah. uh, uh, Hudson Adoy um, and a few others. Um, they would seem to be uh, you know in, in pretty good shape for that uh, how do you see that going and is this possibly possibly the second game only the second game that Liverpool could could be losing this season of course that would uh, enable us in the course of events to
2: to go four points ahead if we if we if if, if, they, if they lost well, well we're playing before Liverpool so it's imperative that we win because what we don't want lose against Palace or draw against Palace and for that to give Liverpool that for that to G them up and say look no, we win. We're going to be clear. We want to win the game, and that puts pressure on Liverpool yeah. to take risks. They they know they have to win the game.
1: Five years ago, it was the other way around. Yeah, they'd lost, and we knew. But by, by winning, and I'm sure yeah. that gave us the extra
2: edge. Yeah,
1: sorry. Yeah, yeah. we don't difficult. want to give
2: them the, the edge to say it's back in our hands, guys. We want them to know that they have to take the risks. They have to beat uh, Chelsea because if they draw with Chelsea, let's say you know, let's play it out. If we beat Palace, Liverpool draw with Chelsea. We'll be three points clear with a goal difference of seven or eight better than Liverpool. So we can then afford to lose one game. Which, yes, we don't want to lose any games, but that really does take it out of their hands. They'll have four games left, which they have to win them all. And every game they go, they'll be playing. It is, we've, they've got to take risks to win the game. You know, you know, when it, if it's nil-lil after 85 minutes, that's not good, good enough for them. So we've got to keep that pressure on them. How will it go? I mean, I, I said before, I expect Liverpool to win every single game, every single league game for the rest of the season. So we, we have to as well. Um, if we want to win that title, that's just, Got to be our mentality. Six games, you know. I, I, I said this actually to to Pat. I spoke to Pat after the uh, the the Spurs game, and I said, "Look, we've just won fourteen games on the bounce." In all honesty. I can't see as I couldn't see as winning another twelve games on the banks to have a, a, a string of twenty-six wins. So I feel it's or, or twenty-seven or whatever it was. Um, I said I feel it's far easier for us now to win six league games on the banks, the FA Cup final, and one, two, three, four. That's eleven games. It's far easier for us to win, um, and sounds more pl- uh, plausible for us to win eleven games on the banks than to win twenty-six. So well, let, let's. I'll take. I take that as a positive, mm-hmm. Colin. What do you think? How will
0: Chelsea uh, take points off Liverpool Or do you anticipate them take, taking points off
1: Liverpool Well if you'd asked me that two or three weeks ago I would have said no Because obviously they seemed in disarray um Sarri seemed to be on the verge of the sack the fans had turned on them but in the last couple of weeks things seem to have turned around a little bit for them Hazard was absolutely superb on um Monday, Monday night. night um and they looked like the Chelsea we'd expect Now obviously what, what 5 years ago Chelsea under Mourinho was a very defensive unit and we saw what happened in that game that they just part of the part of the proverbial Mourinho bus just before half time obviously they got lucky with the Denver Bar goal Gerard slipped uh, and then what Ray said actually Ray resonated because if that game is nil nil or one one, and we've won at Palace, hopefully, Touchwood, would, um, and they're going to have to take risks, and, and it was them taking risks in two thousand and fourteen that led to Chelsea's killer goal, killer second goal. <laughs> yeah. So, uh well, you know, when they were two on one, uh, in fact, two, and, two, and non, well, it, it, two it, on two on none, The was keeper,
2: the worst corners you'll ever see. Sorry, Colin, it was one of the worst corners you'll ever see yeah. from us, straight to the Chelsea um, player on the edge of the box, and yeah. it's quite funny to see that Torres when faced with. The opportunity to score against Liverpool for the first time ever since he'd left, he oh, chickened out. Well, he didn't bother. Yeah, he he
1: chickened
2: out. Yeah. To 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 William. so to keep the you know the the faith of the Liverpool fans who still loved him, Um because that you know to, for, for Torres to put that final nail in the coffin, it would have been the icing on the cake. But uh, you know, <laughs> you know <laughs> yeah, yeah, uh, we're quite happy.
1: Yeah, the, the Chelsea of two, three weeks ago, Chelsea at Cardiff even, yeah. uh, for the first 70-odd minutes at Cardiff, would not have presented too much of a problem to Liverpool. And Liverpool, all right, you know, they had a good game at Southampton, but again, it was it went to the wire more than I think the score alone suggests. Again, it was that the third one was quite a late one. What Southampton were doing um, when Salah got that second one, they're on for a, 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 a valued, a really valuable point and all their players are up for a corner and yeah. no one's back. You know, what on earth were they thinking? The point happened. was all they needed. Yeah, a point was a point would have been fantastic for them. Would have been brilliant for us. So I think that was a closer game. I think like us, Liverpool aren't playing that well. Yeah, um, apart from the game against like Bayern us, Munich, they they haven't, playing, they haven't been playing
0: they uh, haven't been playing well all year. And one one thing that I've noticed uh, interesting looking at the full the full league table, it's interesting. Do you remember whenever uh, Liverpool had only conceded like three or four goals and? And, and now it's come down, the difference is 20-21 to 21 in terms of goals conceded, so their defensive superiority has gradually been eroded and eroded to now there's only one goal conceded between us. So they're coming to the point where they, they're going to end up, you know, they're not going to be able to claim that sort of defensive superiority despite all of the cheerleading for Virgil yeah. van Dijk yeah. and well, the rest of it.
1: They've gone to pieces since we beat them. well not gone to pieces, yeah, yeah. that's a bit extreme, but there they, is Effectiveness is much less since we beat them in January. And, and that seemed to knock the stuffing out of them a bit. But, I mean, let's hope Chelsea, we, We're you know, the last couple of games they've looked really good, let's hope Chelsea can capitalise on that. Well, we need well, draw. But...
2: Even I, a draw helps us. Would be great. A great.
1: Draw. But, I mean, a draw. The, the only thing is, of course, our game in hand—the one that would give us the three point if they got a draw, for example—is United. Yeah. Uh, but even even so, the United now, having lost four out of five games, don't seem to be the as quite as frightening as the United at January when they were winning
2: games. Mm-hmm. Well, United have got to win as well, so I, I'm not overly worried because, you know, United—if they want top four uh, or if they want Champions League next season—they can either to have to do something remarkable in Barcelona uh, it was not past you know you can't say they can't do it they did it in Paris or they've got to get into the top four and to get in the top four they're going to have to beat us to beat us they're not going to be able to play park the bus and hope to hit us on the break they've got to really uh, put the pressure on us so you know in, in, that, in that sense it's an advantage for us yeah 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 we're going it's to- it's, yeah so, yeah, it's uh, um, still in our hand.
1: I mean, when, when um, Liverpool played Chelsea back in 2014, it, it was. was in their hands, yeah. but it's still in our hands. So we win six games and we win the title. And, and to p- pick up on something else, Ray said, because, you know, people say, can't see them losing another game. Well, it's always the odd ones. Funny enough, of the five games they've got to play, they dropped points in the four equivalent games last season. So you look at, you <laughs> look at the games we've lost, Crystal Palace at home, Mm. Uh, Newcastle away, Leicester away, Wolves
0: at
2: the end of the season. It's their last game, isn't it? Yep. Who are absolutely no mugs as well. The Wolves game will be interesting if Wolves, I mean, I'm not sure of the permutations, if Wolves need to win or draw to get a, a Europa League slot. Yeah nice. well they, w- they will
1: do Because well It depends on the cup final Because now We won the We won the Carabao Cup Yeah So it goes down to 6th place
2: Yeah
1: we're in, the, we're in the FA Cup final And the yeah. old rule Used to be that the loser Yeah but If, it's if not- the winner Qualified on their own The loser went in That doesn't count anymore So if we If we win the cup final Then it goes to 7th place And Wolves are in a good position For that So they've got everything To fight for Liverpool have got to play Cardiff Who have got everything To fight for and, like, and, you know, Cardiff, Cardiff,
2: Cardiff be. All my, I'm sorry Colin I think Cardiff is Stay in the Premier League could be over by the time they play Liverpool because they've got...
1: But again, that's a dangerous time to play a, relegate, a team yeah. that's been relegated because they're, they're often so free of fear.
2: Shackles basically. are off then. The Shackles are off. Yeah, The bottom line is if you any... win six games. You know, at, this go...
1: stage of, at this stage of the season, you cannot take any game for granted. Yeah, exactly. And I think that's probably
0: a good point for us to finish up. Guys, it's been wonderful talking to you. I'll be looking forward to speaking to you again after both of the games that we've been talking about. And uh, as usual, we're just going to um, thank you and, and say cheerio for now to our two guests. And you have been listening to, first of all, Colin Savage. Colin, thank you very much for
1: coming on. It's been great, yes. It's been very cathartic because uh, I can, uh, you know, <laughs> I can get it all off my chest. <laughs> and also, you have, you have been listening to Man City
0: Fan TV, Ray. Ray, thank you so much.
2: Oh, it's been fantastic. It's a a great way to end the week, uh, Friday night, to chat with you guys and uh, yeah, a bit of catharsis, and uh, we can mm-hmm. banish. All cowards uh, for for the, for the week.
0: <laughs> okay, guys. Well, as we always say, we'll be back with you after the next game. So uh, have one on us and up those blues. Come on, City. Come on, City.
3: If that turns you wild It's only the moment Look away in the sky It's about time That your mind took a holiday